As we prepare to hear God's word this morning, we're going to sing the song. There should be a song sheet in the rack in front of you. And on one side of that is number 172, Speak, O Lord. We're going to sing all three verses of Speak, O Lord. And during that singing of that song, I invite Reverend Ron Squeers to come forward to minister God's word to us today. Let's stand together and sing 172 on the song sheet, all three verses. It's a great privilege of mine to bring God's word this morning to you, 
and we could focus on a number of the aspects of the ministry of God's Word, but I would like for us to focus particularly on the central aspect of that calling, and that is to preach and teach uh, God's Word. In order to do that, and by the way, it seems this pulpit is getting taller and taller. I don't know why. But <laughs> anyway, uh, in order to do that, we're going to turn together to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. And as you are finding that in the scriptures, I want to make three brief comments. First of all, uh, we as parents are greatly honored and blessed uh, to have Timothy as our son. We give thanks to the Lord for him and Amanda, especially on this occasion. We say together, all glory goes to the Lord. Secondly, I want to thank you as a congregation to, uh, for your supporting prayers, your helping to train him in the precious biblical faith, so that now in turn, he can minister also to you and to your families to come. Thirdly, in the passage that we have before us this morning, Paul is writing to a different Timothy. He is writing, first of all, to his own son, that is a son by way of the faith, and a fellow minister of the word of God in the city of Ephesus. This is the last book that the apostle Paul wrote and this is the last charge that he gives to his son in the faith, that is, uh, Timothy, who is a, word, a minister of the word of God in the city of Ephesus. But this last charge to Timothy, that is Paul's Timothy, also applies to you, Timothy, and to all ministers of the word of God. And in terms of our responsibilities as a congregation, Insofar as Timothy is faithful to bring you God's word, then we are obligated, you and I are bound to listen to and to act upon that word because it is nothing less than the word of Christ to his church. He's the king and he issues the word. It is as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Keeping, in those, keeping those comments in mind, let us now look to God's word in 2 Timothy chapter four. I want to read the first eight verses of this chapter. Follow along in the reading of God's word. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, 
Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. It's our joy now to listen to the word of God as it is proclaimed. And as we begin to hear God's word, I want to ask a very key and important question. Why are you being ordained to the office of minister which requires above all else that you preach and that you teach God's word? To put it more succinctly, why do preachers preach? You do know, of course, that the Bible describes preaching as foolishness. The Bible describes preaching as foolishness in 1 Corinthians 1, for example, four times over in just eight verses. So if preaching is so foolish, why do preachers preach? To be sure, there are some preachers who preach to feed their ego. There are perhaps preachers who want to promote their own status or perhaps even to advance their own political agenda. But that's not your motive. Today we have the joyous and unique opportunity and privilege of witnessing the ordination of our dear son and brother in Christ, who has been called to preach and to teach God's word both to young and to old alike. And we are very grateful for you and Amanda as well, and particularly the gifts that the Lord has given to you for equipping the people of God for service. But the question still remains, if preaching is so foolish, why do it? Why do we ordain a person to such foolish endeavor as to preach the word of God? Well, we want to answer that question as we look at the first eight verses of this uh, particular chapter, as I've said, the last letter from the pen of the Apostle Paul. We want to notice together Paul's solemn charge in the first place, and then three uh, very important and sobering reasons why he gives that particular charge. First of all then, Paul's solemn charge. In a nutshell, God's word teaches that preachers preach, number one, because their task comes from God, number two, because the charge to fulfill that task also comes from Almighty God, thirdly, it is God who equips men to fulfill that task, in the fourth place, God supplies the content of what a preacher is to preach, that is, the words of everlasting life, that is, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of truth from the hand and the mind 
of God himself, his revelation. And then finally, and therefore, preachers are a gift to the church because God wants his church to be recognizing his gifts and talents, but also because the church wants to reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Now from the urgent language of this chapter, we see that the Apostle Paul has a great concern upon his mind. In verse one, he speaks of that great concern. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Those are solemn words, are they not? That is a very solemn charge, a solemn charge which comes from Almighty God. For Timothy stands under the almighty eye of the living God. He says in the original, I declare solemnly and emphatically charging you under solemn oath. This is to be Timothy's highest priority now you can be perfectly sure that every one of us will someday stand before the throne room of Christ and we will have to give an account of what we have done in life. Paul knows that. Paul knows that because he sees that his own life is about over, that he must stand before the great judge. But I want to point out this morning that preachers and teachers, because of the uniqueness of their responsibility, must most surely stand before Christ to give an account. James chapter three, verse one says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So what is this solemn charge that Paul gives? Simply and profoundly this, preach God's word. Herald the king's message to the people. Proclaim the good news that you have learned from studying the God-breathed word known from your youth. Learn from your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, as Paul speaks of it here in these letters to Timothy. The heart of your task is first, last, and always to proclaim God's message and nothing less. With urgency, Paul continues that the preacher must be prepared in season and out of season. In other words, whether or not people want to listen, proclaim it always, everywhere, whenever you can. He insists that Timothy reprove, rebuke, and exhort. All of these words generally meaning to correct somebody's faults with the word of God. And yet it must be done patiently. It must be done with corrective teaching. He must use the word of God to correct sinners in order that they might repent. Sin must never be toned down to please the crowd or to try to win the numbers game as so many churches seek to do today. But at the same time, Timothy must exhort with tender fatherly admonitions. 
to encourage God's people is equally as important as rebuking for sin. That delicate and yet powerful biblical balance of law and gospel must always be maintained. And at the same time, Timothy, you are young, and so are you. So that this instruction is so needed as you begin your ministry, more than anything else, you are called to bring to young and to old nothing less than the precious living word of God, the whole counsel of God, and I know that you are committed to that task. Through the years, I have become all the more convinced that the word of God must be proclaimed with authority, with zeal, with warmth, with persuasiveness, with power, and with urgency because it is the word of God. As an ambassador of God, you must herald the truth. You must announce that truth. So that when you stop and think of it, the method and the message and the messenger must all match. Nothing can be more important in all of life, in the church and in society, that people hear the word of God. So that it is the preacher's task to stop us in our tracks and to convey to us the seriousness of God speaking to people. Not simply a man speaking to people, but God speaking and pleading with us, the church of Jesus Christ and the dying world in which we live. To quote those famous words of Richard Baxter, I preach as never sure to preach again, and as a dying man to dying men. Timothy, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, I give you this charge, preach God's word. Now there are three sobering reasons, secondly, that the Apostle Paul gives for this very important charge. The first is found in verse three. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. That's a good reason for the word of God to be preached. In every period of history, there will be people who will refuse to hear God's word, the truth, preached to them. But the situation will grow worse as the consummation of all things nears. People will be interested in something different, perhaps something sensational, but not the truth. You see, the truth of God's word speaks of the necessity of repentance. And people do not want to repent. People do not want to hear that language. People don't, don't want to stomach it. They choose to live in their own sin. They choose to live in their own way of life, which runs contrary to the word of God. But when the word of God is preached, it confronts them. And they don't want to hear that. They would rather, as the language puts it here in this 
texts before us accumulate for their itching ears teachers to suit their own passions and turn away from the truth. How tragic. Stop to think of it. How tragic to turn away from the truth. Timothy, you must preach the truth of the gospel, the word that brings us to Christ. The good news in all of its life-giving goodness, because apart from that word is most certain death and eternal suffering. If you don't want to listen to the word of God, that's the result. Death eternally. So this ought to be a sobering thought for the Church of Jesus Christ and for all of its ministers. Timothy, preach the word. Secondly, the apostle charges Timothy with this solemn oath because he's about to die. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 indicates the imminence of Paul's death. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. His language, as you well know, comes out of the Old Testament, because when a lamb was sacrificed, a drink offering was also poured out beside the altar as the final act of that entire ceremony. And now the Apostle Paul compares his life to a sacrifice. He knows that his execution is at hand, but who will take his place as an evangelist? Who will take his place as a preacher of the gospel? Who will take his place as a preacher who is ready to endure suffering for the sake of the gospel? Well, here the Apostle Paul charges Timothy to do so. This young man must take up the torch and carry it onward when the Apostle Paul is gone. Certainly, no more urgent charge could be given. Preach God's word. And then finally, the third reason for this charge is found in verse 8. It is the crown that God will give not only to Paul, but, all, uh, but also to all who are faithful to the end. And you notice as you see verse 8 there, so sure is the apostle of that crown that he speaks of already having finished the race and will certainly, he says, receive that crown. Oh, to be sure it is a crown of grace. Yet it is still an incentive to Timothy and to all of us to finish the race and always be true to the calling that God has given to us. Now, not many of us are called of God to be preachers. Yet God calls all of us, every one of us, to be faithful in the use of the gifts and talents that the Lord has given to us. So I ask, will you obtain that crown? Will you obtain that crown of which the apostle speaks? Do not be a people who turns its ears away from the word of God as it is preached and taught. 
Do not turn your ears away from the word of God as it's preached and taught. Encourage those who proclaim the word of God to remain faithful in the preaching of that word. I challenge you to pray fervently for those who have been given the task of bringing God's word. I challenge you this morning to believe the word of God with all your heart because the word of God is life for you. Only in the word of God is life. I challenge you this morning to hunger and thirst after God's word because someday each of us will stand before the judge of the living and the dead and you will give an account of what you've done with that word. So why must Timothy preach to you? That you may live, that you may live in the grace of Christ. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this bread of life of which we have eaten this morning. We pray that you will be with all of those who have been given the task to shepherd the flocks. We pray for Reverend Niemeyer, for Reverend Timothy Squeers, as they pastor this flock, Please feed and nourish our souls unto life eternal. Indeed, we are your sheep, we are your bride, and you have chosen us to be your dear children who desperately need you to comfort us in all our struggles by the faithful promises and by the pastors who bring your word. Today, especially, we pray that you will equip and use your servant, Reverend Timothy Squeers, to be a rich blessing and encouragement and a challenge to this congregation and to others surrounding our church. May your life-giving word be ever hidden in his heart and in ours as well. In Christ's name we pray it, amen.